Hello and welcome to the Beautiful Game Podcast, you are wise, middle of the week football discussion show. I'm Alex Woodward, joined this week by Josh Westwood, Harry Dennis and Alex Tamp-Brown, hello. Hiya. Hello. And we'll start with our games of the weekend. I'll go first, I'm going to go with Atletico Madrid 2, Osasuna 1. Atletico Madrid do like to make it difficult for themselves, don't we? It felt like El Pupas had struck again, but... They really kept calm after the Osasuna goal went in. They kept calm, they kept collected, they kept their heads. They played really well afterwards and two goals in six minutes in the 82nd and 88th minutes gave Atletico a very vital win to keep them on top of La Liga. It was wonderful, it was dramatic, it was everything you want in in a football match and it perfectly sums up this La Liga season. So yeah, absolutely, Atletico Madrid 2, Osasuna 1. Josh, your game of the weekend. Uh... Am I allowed games slightly after the weekend? Sure. Okay, I'm going for Man United Fulham uh, just because it's great to see fans back in grounds properly. Okay, the, that's fair. Uh, the, the difference in atmosphere and the different, well, Man United maybe not really, but um, just the, the difference in the, the whole field of the game was fantastic. Obviously, uh, Eddie Cavani scoring a, a ridiculous chips goal, which was was fantastic to see. Uh, Fulham really came into it in the uh, the back end of the game, and uh, obviously equalising, uh, and were the better side for I'd say a good half an hour of that second half. Um, it seems to be a side much like Wolves in two thousand and twelve that have somehow managed to start playing well. Now they're definitely relegated, um, but fair play if they decided to play a bit more like that in the start of the season, maybe they'd have stayed up, but. Um, a fantastic uh, almost trial and taster of what we can hope to expect later uh, in the year, which is fans properly back at games and football as we as we want to know it. Mm. Harry, your game of the weekend? I'm also going to go for one just after the weekend and go for Bournemouth 1, Brentford 0. I always do try to uh, watch the playoffs, um, always find them great to watch, and I thought... This was a really very good game of football, very close, although obviously I thought Bournemouth did deservedly edge the victory. Um, mm. But yeah, it was great to see fans back in the stadium. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that small ground for Cherries Player. It's just it's just a really good football ground when no, the it game is, is yeah. there. It's, it's lively. And in Bournemouth, one away day, right? Mm. Especially if it's on a bank holiday. That's a reference to something no one will know. <laughs> I was going to say it's a niche reference to League One, surely. No, no, it's the um, the day Leeds got promoted from Division Two to Division One back in eighty nine ninety. It was a massive scandal because thousands of fans went down and caused havoc. What they didn't? It was ridiculous. Anyway, um, go and watch. I think they talked about it on Do You Want to Win, which is a really good documentary about Howard Wilkinson's Leeds on Amazon. I want to say. Alex Tambrown, your game of the weekend. I'm um, I'm going for the obvious one, and it's Leicester one, Chelsea nil. Purely because you love to see it. <laughs> right. So hang on. Right. Right. Let me get this straight. So there was a game with seven goals, and Schalke winning, and nobody picked it as game of the weekend. They don't deserve yeah. to have game of the weekend because they've had they such a do. shocking season. They, they do, though, because it was wonderful. <laughs> uh, granted, it, it meant the Frankfurt won't get in the Champions League, which is less wonderful. But, I mean, come on. What more do you want? Right, so three questions of, I guess, difficult questions of the week, I'm going to say. 
Sure. So, first of all, can you name the last side who lost in back-to-back FA Cup finals? Bar, bar, bar this one. Oh, no, I, I saw this on Twitter, and I don't remember. I feel like it was Portsmouth. the 80s. No. Portsmouth. If you, can you give us a time frame? It was 97-98 and 98-99. Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle is correct, yes. There we go, yes. They lost 2-0 in the 98 final to Arsenal and then 2-0 in the 99 final to... United. Man United, Man United who of course won the treble that year. So, the second question. Uh, Mallorca were promoted back to La Liga this weekend. They've been promoted nine times from the Segunda Division into La Liga. Can you name any of the five sides who have been promoted more times from the Segunda to La Liga? Oh, it's Spanish. Oh. Yeah, Espanol, no. Uh, Salta Vigo. Salta Vigo, yes. Yeah. Well done. I didn't think anyone would get one, to be honest. Um... Osasuna. Atafe, no. Osasuna, no. Deportivo? Malaga? Deportivo La Yeah, that's another. And Malaga, that's another. Um, it's two more. You definitely won't get one, and I think you'll be surprised by the other. Alaves? No, we'll do three more. Valencia? Al- Valen- Valencia? Well, I know they had a stint in the Segunda, so I yeah, thought maybe... Yeah, but they had to be promoted at least ten times from Segunda. Mm. That's... That's this several is where stint. it's something like Tenerife, and we'll be just sitting here going. It's not what? Tenerife. No, the other two, and Real Mercia, who you would have never got. Well, the other one, and most times, so Malaga, Deportivo La Coruña, Salta, and Mercia have all been promoted eleven times from Segunda into La Liga, with twelve times and having been promoted more than any other. Real Betis, who of oh. course have stabilised themselves now as a top La Liga side, but were not that for most of their history, as as you can tell, because they have to get relegated enough times to get that record. So yeah, um, Betis are, are the um, the biggest. I'll be honest. I only got Depot and, and Salta, and Salta was after a lot of like searching yeah. and thinking. So yeah, well, well done on getting them. Final question, and it's my personal favourite. Why was Jimmy Glass's goal against Plymouth for Carlisle notable? Goalkeeper. Goalkeeper is. I knew you'd know that. Oh. Ah! <laughs> goalkeeper scoring for Carlisle against Should Plymouth on the last day of the season um, to keep them promoted. I'm guessing Tamp Brown will know this. Who did it relegate? To keep them? You mean to keep them up? Oh, to keep them up. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, Jimmy Glass. God, when was when was this? It was 99-2000, if I remember correctly. It's not oh. York City, is it? It's not York City, but you're close. Scarborough Athletic. Scarborough Athletic. Yes. Um, Scarborough that day had drawn one all with Peterborough, which was meant to be enough to keep them up so long as Carlisle didn't win, but then Carlisle won. Do you know who the manager of Carlisle was at the time? No. You all know who this is. Why would I know who they are? Because they've been they've managed in the Premier League. Was it Chris No, it wasn't Chris Wilder. No, they managed Neil Warnock. Leicester in the Premier um, Neil Warnock did manage Scarborough. Nigel Pearson? Nigel Pearson. Nigel Pearson was the manager of Carlisle that day. Tam Brown is absolutely on fire. Right, the reasoning behind my thinking of either Chris Wilder or Nigel Pearson was I knew he was like kind of oldish, white and with like white hair now at least mm. so i was there thinking well it's either chris wilder or nigel pearson yeah so if if you, if you want to there's a great 
video on Sky Sports Football's YouTube channel about the, the Jimmy Glass goal. I would really recommend it. It's about 25 minutes long. It's, it's really good. And I think Nigel Pearson it features in that quite heavily, talking about it. So, yeah, I really recommend it. Anyway, so we're going to go into our Cup Final reviews now. And there were two Cup Finals this week to talk about, the DFB Pokal and the FA Cup Final. I'll be honest, I couldn't decide which one to talk about first. So I've got a coin um, on... Uh, it's Google, allows you to do heads or tails, and we're just going to flip. Heads is the FA Cup final, tails is the DFB Pokal. Heads. Damn you, yeah. coin! <laughs> Leicester won, Chelsea nil. Leicester winning the FA Cup for the first time in their history. And what a strike from the other Tielemans to, to win it. Right, Absolutely so beautiful. I, I was there with my... Uh, not, I wasn't there. I was sat watching it with my girlfriend. But you could who, have been there. I could have been there in spirit, who knows. No, uh, no, no, like there were fans in the stadium. Yeah, I could have been there. Uh, and she's, she's, a, she's a Leicester fan. And I was supporting Leicester that day because obviously, you know, you want Leicester to beat Chelsea. And as soon as he like picks it up and is looking to like towards goal, I'm there thinking, don't do it, don't do it. But as soon as the ball leaves his foot, I'm like, oh my God, what a goal. <laughs> Like, oh god, it's it's the Solomon de Carver thing all over again. As as soon as it left his boot, I was there like, "There's no way Kepa's getting to that." Yeah, no, no. way. It, 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 you you knew immediately after it being scored that it was going to be an all-time classic FA Cup goal, especially if Leicester oh, yeah. held on to win. Mm. It it was like how when Wigan survived the multiple scares from Man City in mm. that in that Ben Watson final. You, as soon as that Tielemans goal went in, you were just there thinking, it's written in the stars. It's written yeah. in the stars for them to win it. Mm, yeah, absolutely. How did you feel about it, Harry? Chelsea couldn't be onside. Uh, I, I found that. an interesting fact uh, about Chelsea's problems with offside, right? Um, I don't know. I, I tweeted about it. I don't know if any of you saw it. But uh, this season, I think it's it's Timo Werner. He's been offside <laughs> 41 times, right? My God. He cost 47.5 million, so you've basically paid almost a million per offside he's been. And now that's good value for an offside. I mean, it's you know. very good value. I wonder what, what the other players in the offside market look like. <laughs> yeah, also, well done to VAR for calling it offside, because yeah. actually it, it was offside. Mm. It's a high-press decision. I saw, I saw football Twitter going mental, going, it's not offside, it's not offside. I mean, I'm like, it was, though, he's clearly it? offside, though. Yeah. I, mean, it was I, was, I was so gutted when the ball went in. And then mm. when they were there, like, oh, VAR, I was there, like, please, please, please. I was like, they're not going to overturn it because, you know, I, I think if you remember on a beautiful game, I, I had the theory that the universe is doing this just to spite me. Um, of course. Not, not to sound like, you know, the whole world revolves around me or anything but when when i saw oh it's going to be arv i was like oh this is just twisting the knife now because it's going to go to the arv and we'll go no it's onside and then chelsea will win in extra time probably in the 119th minute and then i'll be sad again as tiago silva bumbles home from a corner or something. yeah, yeah. no actually it'll be like the champions league final they'll just um real madrid atletico will just like um just run away with him in extra time and it, the, like there'll be one minute where the match is competitive in extra time and then suddenly, yeah. nah, it's over. The, th- the thing is as well, right, we, we all talk about uh, Tielemans' strike, but when Johnny Evans went off for Leicester in the early in the first half, I was there thinking, oh gosh, okay, this isn't great. I know you're allowed, you're allowed five substitutions in the FA Cup final, which is, which is quite a nice quirk. Um, but Fafana and Soyuncu had 
immense games at the back. They were yeah. fantastic. Even Wes Morgan, when he came on at 500 million years old, <laughs> that he is, he's a, he had a fantastic game. I thought they brought him on too early at first, but he, pl- he played fantastically, as did everybody in that Leicester side. Thor- thoroughly deserved the win. Yeah, and by the way, Wes Morgan, Casper um, Michael, Jamie Vardy have all been there since since the Championship days. Casper Michael and, and Wes Morgan both joined in what the twenty eleven twelve season. Yeah. Uh, I would know when Casper Michael joined Leicester. Actually, Schmeichel million pounds, something like that. Schmeichel made two fantastic saves as well. He was unbelievable. Like Chelsea had so many opportunities where we could have scored. And Schmeichel saved it. That that Mason Mount volley. That I, I I genuinely thought how has he saved that? It was a fantastic save. Yeah. Mm. Let's just gush about Leicester. Yeah. Also, yeah. it was lovely to see at the end end of the game how yeah. much the chairman cared. Mm. Oh like, god, yes. that's the kind of man you want to run your football. Yeah, club. absolutely. You can't hate Leicester. You can't. I was no. so envious. I was so, so envious seeing the, yeah. the footage of him. And he so obviously cared and the players were, were coming round and, and you know, encouraging Even... him to take the trophy and giving him hugs and everything. You just see so involved. And then you look at the owners that me and, uh, and Alex have got, and you just despair, don't you? Yeah. Even the new sign-ins have a connection and a bond with the owner. Yeah. And... It just speaks absolute volumes as to how well run that club has been. And it just shows you don't have to throw money at it, i.e. Daniel Levy, to become a successful football club. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And they don't really have any truly heated rivalries anyway, so it's not like anyone was sat there going, oh, I'm really sad Leicester have won the mm. FA Cup, which I, I don't think would have happened if, you know... Chelsea fans. <laughs> yeah, well, apart from Chelsea fans, <laughs> fair enough. The thing but, is as well... I don't understand how Chelsea were... I know this is going a bit off tangent. I don't know how they were more fired up for that league game than the FA Cup final. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That really irked me. I was there like, well, why have you decided to turn up for this turn one? Up, guys, yeah. Champions League football, are they? Who cares? Leicester are FA Cup champions. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have a cup because you, you don't get to run around with a trophy saying fourth placed in Premier League. <laughs> Oi, we had that trophy for years. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say... Reigning fourth place champions. I'd, I'd, I'd ra- You'll never sing that. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to Leicester City for winning the FA Cup. Let's go on then to the DFB Pokal final. Brussia Dortmund 4, Vassenbos, Sport, Leipzig 1. I think we're all happy with this outcome as well. Yeah. Uh, yes, the, uh, the most hilarious part was uh, seeing Jude Bellingham. Uh, on his Instagram afterwards with a picture of him with the trophy, I think with the caption, going from relegation scraps to this. And then you just think, oh. this is the guy who Birmingham City retired a number for. I mean, and... he's won the DFB Pokal, but you've got to retire his number, <laughs> right? He's winning... Andrew's being renamed the Jude Bellingham Arena, for <laughs> crying out loud. God forbid if Borussia Dortmund actually win the Bundesliga. <laughs> <laughs> Birmingham will not be called Birmingham anymore, anymore. it'll be called Bellinghamshire. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to um, the game between Leeds and West Brom at the Lewis Cook Arena. <laughs> I, I no, I don't get it. Anyway, yeah. So in the in the final itself, Dortmund started much the better side. Leipzig. I I don't know it. It again. I I don't think the nerves got to them. They just were bad. 
And it, it's a surprise, because Nagelsmann was stood around the sideline just going, I don't know. I'll wait till half-time to make changes. What is it with managers when something is going horribly wrong, deciding, yeah, I'll make my changes at half-time? Make them now. It was like, there was a point, like, halfway through the first half, I was like, this is clearly not working. Make the changes now. I, I, I didn't, I didn't get it. Jaden Sancho had a absolutely wonderful game. He, he was beyond dominant for Borussia Dortmund. I, Leipzig did not have an answer for him. Shown when he opened the scoring of the fifth minute, a wonderful finish from just inside the box. Keeper was never going to get to it in a million billion years. Um, Peter Galaski, I think, was in goals, wasn't he? Um, Erling Brat Haaland then. The, the best part about Erling Brat Haaland's goal, um, its first one, because Sancho and Haaland both scored twice, is that he, he out-muscled Diet Up Meccano, which... It doesn't seem like the easiest thing to do in the universe, and yet he still managed it. And and it, it, it shows just how dominant of a striker he is, just how good of a striker he is. He, he outran up Meccano and then outmuscled him. <laughs> I loved it. I don't like this. Mind you, I do like it, because if Upa Meccano is playing for Bayern next season... Yeah, exactly. We need someone to stop them. Yeah, but then also, it's like, do you pay the Terminator, which is Erling Brett Haaland, to, you know, beat the Predator? I don't know why I've gone with Terminator versus Predator. Yeah, I don't. But the only problem is is that they they might go, oh, we should sign him. They won't, but if they do, I I think we'll all cry. I mean, I actually wouldn't be surprised if they did, because him and Lewandowski up front for a season would be horrendous. The issue is, though, they both normally operate in in a front one. They don't play alongside anyone else, and when you've got Haaland or Lewandowski, why yep. play anyone else up front, right? I was, I was going to say, if you've got Haaland and Lewandowski, who cares about the defence? You're going to score 300 goals a season. <laughs> <laughs> up, up front is Haaland and this other person. <laughs> just, we don't care who he is. <laughs> but, then, just before half-time, made 3-0, I thought it was game over at that point. Royce uh, could have had a uh, could have had a goal in the Pokal final, but he squared it off to Jaden Sancho, who got his second of the game, and at that point, it, it did look over. Leipzig had never found an answer. Dortmund had three shots on target in the entire first half. They scored three goals. They they looked hopeless. They looked absolutely hopeless. They looked like they didn't have an answer, but then, for the start of the second half, Nagelsmann brings on Nkunku, and he brings on Yusuf Poulsen, and suddenly, within about 20 seconds of the second half starting, Nkunku hits the bar, and if I'd gone in, I, I genuinely think it would have been even, well, even closer than the game was in that second half, which was quite close until until Dortmund got, got the fourth. Leipzig pummeled Dortmund at the start of the second half. For the first 15 to 20 minutes, they were by far the better side. I don't really remember Dortmund having a shot at any point in, in, in that like first 20 minutes of the second half. They were fantastic. They were dominant, they were amazing, but they couldn't put the ball thing in the net thing. And as time went on, you knew that they couldn't just sit there trying to put the ball thing in the net thing. They actually had to. And finally, in the 71st minute, Danny Olmo, wonder strike. It felt like he was going to take a wonder strike because nothing else was working. And then Danny Olmo decided, you know what, I'm just going to score. And he did. And he fired it into the top corner. Wonderful hit. Not quite Tielemans, but... Really good, nonetheless. And at that point, you thought that Leipzig could get back into the game. You thought they could get two late goals right up until 
Dortmund's fourth. It did help that Hazard missed a really basic chance. Sancho missed a really basic chance. He had the chance for a hat-trick. Rounded the keeper. But for some reason, after rounding the keeper, tried to get back onto his right foot. I don't know why. Can he not hit with his left foot? I'm asking that genuinely because I don't know. Maybe he's just had too much time and decided to make sure. Well, that, that's sure. the thing. Just yeah. try and rationalise it. If, if, he just, if he just goes with his left foot, there's like a 90% chance it goes in. But he tries to get back onto his right. And then by that point, Upper Meccano is there to make a great last-ditch challenge. And Hazard's miss was, was just just as bad. To be In fact, no, Hazard's miss was worse. But then Haaland scores in the 87th minute. At that point, it's over. And really good performance from Borussia Dortmund. Bar that, like, maybe, what, 25 minutes to start the second half. They, they were completely dominant. What does this mean for Leipzig? Because Nagelsmann leaves having not won anything of no, despite all the good football they've played, despite how, how convincing they've looked, despite the fact they've been at points the best team behind Bayern, and obviously this year finishing second proves it, they've won nothing. I mean, they, they, he's, still, he's still created a really, really good team. Yeah. And... He's taken them to the next level. Um, obviously had Ranjik and Hasenhutl, uh, and they left, he came in, and he's elevated them further up the Bundesliga. But it feels like, you know, you have all them really good players. And, of course, there's still a lot of good players left. Up and Meccano leaving isn't, you know, the the thing that's going to kill them off. But despite what some fans in Germany would want and some fans around the world would want. But it, it feels like this was a really good opportunity missed. And it feels like it's going to take a while to get them back to this level. That's fair. Because yeah. Jesse March, he is good. It's really good. But it's going to take him a while to get to Nagelsmann's levels. We'll say this now in the A Beautiful Game podcast. Curse will will come in and Jesse Marsh yeah. will lead Leipzig to the title. <laughs> it does feel a little bit like that. Not like, everything seemed to fall into place for Leipzig in a way with the, with mm. the manager situation. They were playing some fantastic football. Yeah. And you did kind of think if you're going to do something, you've got, you have to do it now. And... The fact that that hasn't happened really, they haven't really got anything to show for it apart yeah. from some good accolades. Oh, when's it going to come around again? I'm not sure yeah. it's anytime soon. The thing is, as well, Nagelsmann, I'll be honest, I think his weakness is he doesn't know how to cope with big games at the moment. It, the game against Bayern, where the title was on the line early in the year, he completely fluffed for tactics. He fluffed for tactics to start this game. It was only in the second half where he made necessary correct changes. That improved the game. I would argue he did the same against Bayern, but it was all it was too little, too late back then. I, he's never beaten Dortmund during his time there. He's never beaten Bayern. He cannot cope against the big sides no. at the moment. I don't know why, because he's got the players and he's a good enough manager, but he never seems to be able to do it. Meanwhile, then for Borussia Dortmund, Marco Rosa coming in this year. I I, I sort of said I wrote an article about the Pokal final. I said. It would have been almost criminal if this... Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen in the summer with Haaland and Sancho. It would have been criminal if the Haaland, Sancho, Rainer, Bellingham, whatever you want to call them, Dortmund, didn't win something. At least something. That one thing. So you have that that memory. You, you have the picture of Marco Royce holding up the trophy triumphantly with all these fantastic players around him celebrating. You have Erling Terzic, the lifelong Dortmund fan, who was at the 2012 final uh, as, a, as a fan and at the 2017 final and, you know, loves the club, holding the trophy triumphantly. It would have felt criminal if this side hadn't won something. And they finally did. They have at least, if it does all go wrong and they leave, 
which please don't, then then they have closure on that time. They have that trophy. They'll always have 2021. Yeah, you, you're mm. quite right. But I, I've got a feeling that this team has at least got one season to prove themselves. I really you know, hope so. I don't, I don't think any of them will leave this summer. And mm. by all accounts, Bellingham is loving life in Dortmund. I mean, as wow, is, you? I mean, as is Rainer. Yeah. I, I really, I, I would love to see them win the Bundesliga together. And I think if they stay together and keep improving with a declining buying squad due to age, they're never going to decline. Yeah. Lewandowski's going to play into his mid-60s but and, and score 60 goals in that season because it, it's inevitable. But it feels like they could really challenge to be one of the better sides in Europe, not just in Germany, but in Europe. So it would be really nice. For for Erdin Terzic, he had the chance to lift the Pokal as, as, a, as a Dortmund manager. How, how special was this for him? Extremely special, you know, being a Dortmund mm. fan, going to that 2012 final, going to that 2017 final. He is Dortmund through and through. Uh, and I know we'll get on to him later on in the, in the podcast. Mm. Yeah. Just so nice, though, to see. The, the moment where he lifted the trophy, I, I, I just, my heart mounted watch, watching him watching him lift it because it was <laughs> truly special. The moment as well, Lucas Piszczek, um, obviously leaving Dortmund at the end of this year to go back to his hometown club that I am not going to attempt to pronounce because it's in Poland. He's going out with a bang as well. He was lifted by, you know, like when, when they throw um, the whole squad threw him up in the air. Find the picture that the Bundesliga's account put because that was quite nice as well. But yeah, many congratulations to Borussia Dortmund. They've won their fifth DFB Pokal. And also find the picture online of Erdin Terzic at the 2012 final. Just go and look at it. We'll talk about it later, but go and look at it. Right, OK, let's go into the Premier League then. And let's start with the Friday fixture. Newcastle 3, Manchester City 4. I I don't get it. Newcastle challenge, hold on to a lead. Um, I mean, this was it, was... it was a good game from Newcastle's perspective because it showed that they can actually go toe-to-toe with uh, a team like Manchester City. But also it showed the fact of how far away they are from the levels of Manchester City who can concede three goals and yet still win. Um, I think the shining light for Newcastle has been Joe Willock, who has been absolutely fantastic since joining them on loan. And after scoring again, was it Tuesday night? He's got seven in seven. And he's the youngest Premier League player to ever reach that mark, scoring seven consecutive games. He scored in seven consecutive games, which if you think about it, Jamie Vardy scored in 12. You know, Mm. and he... He scored more goals than Arsenal's whole midfield combined, which just begs the question, why the hell did we let him out on loan? When we're, when we're basically needing an attacking midfielder like him. But you've got Emil Smith-Rowe. Those two in the same team would be unreal. Mm. And we've got to ask the obvious question, is Scott Carson the best keeper in the world? Yes. Yes. Yeah, mod. <laughs> You can tell he's really liked him at Man City squad because they all came up to him after the game, you know, and congratulating him and celebrating with him. He, he's clearly turned into like a leader, not a leader of that team per se, but a, a, a good locker room voice, a good person to have around around the team. Yeah, uh, which is weird, uh, seeing the whole squad going up to a goalkeeper, congratulating him after conceding three goals to a yeah. Newcastle. Yeah. But... It's, it's nice. It's nice. So nice. It's so nice. 
he he ended up not being the biggest goalkeeping story of of the week because West Brom won Liverpool two. Everything that happened in this game bef- before that moment has sort Does of been rendered matter. null and void because Allison scored. But he shouldn't have been scoring the winner. He did score the winner though. No, no, but he shouldn't have been because Kyle the offside given against Kyle Bartley was horrific. Right, if and I, I feel like this really this always really annoys me. The fact that you can be, have something given offside because somebody else is in the line of sight of someone is ridiculous. Right, but if if you removed that, they would just stand in front of the keeper and just block his vision. No, or... I, I understand. I understand the rule being in there. Okay. Um, but I don't understand like the way that it is applied because of the fact that if you have it in, which we do. He's not made any attempt to play the ball. The keeper's never saving that anyway, right? Why could that goal be ruled out? That's mm. that's my only point. There's no way that Alisson was going to save it ever. Yeah. If I'm going to take Alisson's goal on its merits, what a header that is. Yeah, like, fantastic. That is then, again, fantastic yeah. then again, Jimmy Glass scored with an actual kick inside the penalty box. True. And realistically... Proper striker. Proper striker, Jimmy yeah. Glass. Should have just played go striker. On, if we're going to go on players who aren't proper strikers like Jimmy Glass, obviously. Yeah. Allison's wonder header is better than anything Timo Werner's done this season. <laughs> That's fair. He's also scored as many goals as Thiago. He's scored as many goals as William. But, 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 lads, William. but lads, lads, Thiago sets the tempo. But he sets the tempo. <laughs> he's brought that winning culture into Liverpool yeah, that we didn't have exactly. before. Okay, let's move on then. Everton nil, Sheffield United one. Daniel Jebison getting his first goal for Sheffield United. They've won a game of football. No, fair, surely not. Fair play to him, by the way. Uh, he did cost me my place in the last man standing, which is now <laughs> down to two people after he scored his goal. And it's, it's lovely to see... Uh, him getting his first professional goal in a week of what was a lot of first professional goals, yeah, actually. All of them at Schalke. No, no, um, in the Premier League as well. Because uh... Daniel Jebison got his. I think I, it was a ploy. I know it was a ploy by Sheffield United to get him to stay, the fact that he's been playing so much in the recent weeks. Um, but, you know, he took, his, he took it with aplomb. I mean, I guess that keeps Everton's very, very faint hopes of Europe alive. Well, Europe goes down to seventh, yeah. and we were mentioning it off recording that there's there's a load of teams battling for it. Uh, Spurs, Everton, and Arsenal battling for that that seventh Europa Conference League spot. Mm. Uh, Spurs playing Leicester away on the final day. Everton playing Man City away on the final day, and Arsenal playing Brighton at home on the final day. Um, all within a point of each other. It's all to play for. Yeah, at least there's something, eh? In what has, I, I can't remember who said it, but I, I completely agree. What has been a, a relatively drab season in the Premier League. I'm glad Just, it's over, you know. Mm. <laughs> I'm mostly glad it's over because there's been no fans in the stand for yeah. most of the season. 16 so, fans over the past week, because obviously we're recording this so on nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Hearing fans... Even though they're cheering against you, because I was watching the Crystal Palace Arsenal game last mm. night, even he- hearing them cheer against you, it was quite nice to to have back rather than that fake crowd noise that was pumped in. 
Mm. You you will know how much I hate dead rubber matches, but I am I'm so giddy for Leeds West Brom, just to actually see Leeds fans in Elland Road clapping at Anna Berardi. Uh, Leeds in the Premier League as well with fans. Yeah, Leeds in the Premier League with fans. At, at points this year, it has felt like this season's almost been a cruel joke. So. It, yeah. It's going to be nice to actually have fans back. I might, I might be able to enjoy Leeds football for once. Well, at the least thing... you'll, yeah, no, you'll see Leeds in the Premier League, which the cruelest thing would have been, of course, if you'd have somehow gone down this season. Yeah, you know, mm. that would have the, been. The thing, the thing that scares me is that Bielsa team that Leeds have now. I genuinely think they're going to get an extra twenty, thirty percent from the fans. Oh yeah, absolutely. And if yeah, they definitely. if they qualify for Europe next year. Elland Road is going to be a horrendous place to go. Mental. Absolutely mental. But, but guys, remember, Leeds burnt out. They've burnt yeah. out at the end of the season. It's not they're, like they've won they're how many out. in the last 10. Yeah, let, let's just have a look at the, at the um, Premier League form table to see how burnt out they are. First, Leeds. Okay, never mind. Yeah. They're, they're one of the top sides post-Christmas. I mean, I know it is burnout, actually, because if, if it wasn't for this to be able to burn out, they would have clearly won the league and gone invincible. <laughs> Burnout. I, I, I just love how many people didn't want to see Leeds do well this season. Yeah. And how wrong they were. Yeah. Which is and just they now just hilarious. can't deal with it. There's been a guy on um, Twitter who's been retweeting all of this. Oh, Leeds are going to go down, you know. <laughs> stuff. Which is just so funny and perfect. I've, I've loved every second of it. And by the way, beating Brexit FC in Burnley 4 0 this weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. That was that was lovely to see. And then actually Be having fans. And then Patrick Bamford taunting fans at Southampton. Honestly, watching Leeds this year has been an actual joy. It's been mm. a pleasure, yeah. That, and that's coming from a Man United fan as well. Yeah, I know, know, exactly. Do we need if... to call like, for help, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think you need to call for help because Leeds are actually the most liked team in the Premier League. It's so play... strange. I don't get it. It's, it's purely because they play the sauciest football and it yeah. is it's just beautiful football. Mm, yeah. It does still sometimes feel like a cruel joke. You can't watch it. Ha ha ha. Shut up. Brighton 3, Manchester City 2. Okay. I love that they tweeted out... Um, what? After the game, but look at the XG. <laughs> <laughs> does does towels run their accounts? Or... Clearly, <laughs> there would be essays about XG going up on Brighton's Twitter account if yeah. if Th if it was run by towels. Thing is, though, right? What is it with Brighton and only starting to play relatively well when it mat when it doesn't matter? Like, where were this Brighton at the start of the season that could hit a barn door? Hmm. Anyway. But hey, thank God we're now doing it during meaningless football. Yeah. Right, a battle for Europe has waged on. Chelsea 2, Leicester City 1, Burnley 0, Liverpool 3. I don't think Alisson scored. I didn't. No. What it means is that Leicester out of the Champions League places for the first time all year. They're going to be shocked when they find out it actually like, matters where you are after match day 38, not before. <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd still consider it a successful season for, oh, yeah, the, for the fact that they've won the the FA Cup, but mm. you've got to you've got to think about like oh surely you'd have wanted to have finished on in the top four and got that Champions still come, place. but probably still won't. can. Um, 
Chelsea are away at Aston Villa, Leicester at home to Tottenham, and then Liverpool are at home to Crystal Palace. So they're going to need a favour from. Would, it would be quite winner. funny in Roy Hodgson's last game for him to knock out Liverpool. That that would be. Quite You'd love to see it. You there's there's so many storylines going on on this final day. But there's it's, not. There is. There's not. There's a battle for Europe, and that's it. Exactly. Come on. Exactly. There have been better last days, like most of them. Big, big boy stopping <laughs> Liverpool. <laughs> Though that would be hilarious and perfect. Ha- Harry so Kane finishing ninth. There's more riding on this uh, final day of the Premier League than there has been in several years, I reckon. Hang on, well, hang on, no, there was an actual relegation battle last year. This is like one of the least impactful last days of the season of all time. Quite any fun. any any battle against relegation, though, is more important than a battle for your vote. It just is. Just is. This, anyway. This is, this is until Leeds are in fifth. <laughs> then 30, it's the most Game 38 important. next season. All dead rubber matches are boring and meaningless unless they have Leeds in them. They're super important, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> An, an actual, I, I guess it's a dead rubber game to mention, but I do want to mention Crystal Palace 1, Arsenal 3. Both sides gave a guard of honour to Roy Hodgson before the match. I walked out as Crystal Palace fans, chanted he's one of our own. I, I'm not a fan of Roy Hodgson's style of football, but he's had a really successful career in football and he, he deserved that send-off. He's, he's been phenomenal. It, it was a class act to see it and I was quite proud that it was my team that were there mm. clapping him onto the pitch. Yeah, because he fully deserves it after his years and years and years of management. Because I, I know he he always has that Iceland game written into his mm. uh, his his every yeah. biography. But he's managed Inter Milan. He's he's been a fantastic manager, and to do it so consistently throughout this so many years, he's done it. I do I do believe even worse than that for me is the telling Roberto Carlos he can play left back. Maybe that gave him the motivation to be the best left back in the world. Yeah, <laughs> secretly genius. Always thinking, our boy. He's always thinking. <laughs> so, <laughs> apparently, Harry Kane wants to leave Tottenham. Apparently. No. Oh, Get yeah. in. Get <laughs> in. I can like him if he leaves Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, where do you expect him to go? And where do you want him to go? City. City. You want him to go to City? You want him to go to City? Hear me out, right? City are a fantastic football team. As much as I hate the fact that they win uh, so all much. Things, just all of the yeah. things. Yeah, but I would love to see this City team go to the next level and just be... Yeah, what's the next level? Jesus. And, and be comparable to that Barcelona hear side. Hear me out Pedro. here, hear me out. And Manchester City record the third undefeated season in the history of English no. football. <laughs> but, that, but that's the thing, like... As, as much as I'm as an Arsenal fan, I would love to see one team, first of all, Be beat our record and go and do like a quadruple or something absolutely insane. Bielsa's Leeds. As much as I'd like it to be Bielsa's Leeds or Arsenal. Patrick Bamford scores 40. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I'd like it to be those teams, Man City are realistically going to be the team that does it. Yeah. And Harry Kane playing up top for Man City would make them an unbelievable force. There's only one team I don't want him to go to. I'm not. I'm not really bothered about where he goes. Oh, well, Chelsea. But there's only one team I don't want him to go to. Really, yes. apart from Chelsea, Madrid Whites. Just please Madrid, don't. <laughs> Madrid Whites franchise club Barcelona. See Zebra. Even oh yeah Zebra, but I still have a soft spot for franchise club Barcelona. I don't have a soft spot for what they are now, but I do have a soft spot for what they've been. 
Yeah, I just but, don't want the vindication but, for what they are now. Yeah, I wouldn't no, be surprised if, if if PSG offer. I'd be fine with that. But I think he would definitely rather go to City than PSG. I think he, yeah. he wants because he Manchester is such a nicer city than Paris. You know yeah. what, Manny's not too bad. <laughs> it's not Paris, though, is it? <laughs> yeah, but it's like it the isn't. English bias, isn't it? I'm, yeah. I'm you know. sorry, but does Harry Kane really look like the type to go to the Far- Paris fashion show? In all fairness, <laughs> he, he, Harry Kane does not seem like a man of culture going around the Louvre every, no. every weekend, <laughs> watching the Tour de France go he'll around come, the He'll come back on English duty going, I've got a certain je ne sais quoi. He's not that <laughs> kind of person. <laughs> it'll be like um, Dalboy in you know, Only Fools and Horses going like, as the French say, Rodney, Voulet, Foucoucher. <laughs> Just random, <laughs> random words. And so we'll move on then to our, our um, final thing from the Premier League. The Hall of Fame has has been expanded further, including Eric Cantona, Roy Keane, and Gerard got in, Bergkamp. Yeah. Until I'm doing this off the top of my head. Other players. Um, Go and Google it. Google it. You're an mm. adult. You Google it. Yeah, so in the Hall of Fame now is I won't be Shira. a good news presenter. Is Shearer and Henri were the first two inductees. Yeah. And then Cantona, Keane, Lampard, Burkamp, Gerard, Beckham. I don't get David Beckham at all. I, d- I don't get I Beckham. I do. I understand I... it. I don't think it's right, but I mm. understand it. It's in the brand of the Premier League, the brand of David Beckham. You- you're starting off something in the Premier League Hall of Fame. Who can we use to get the Yanks on board? David Beckham. Mm. I mean, for me, like it's looking at the, at the nominees that were there, Right. Obviously, Shearer and Henri, great additions. Um, but for me, I think we should have only had four players join them and two managers. Because mm. two yeah, man- there's been there no are- managers yet. Yeah, there are two managers that are objectively. Yeah, Ferguson means more to the Premier League. Fer- Ferguson and, and Wenger define yeah. that. Yeah. Define the Premier League from when they started. Yeah. And if if yeah, we were to replace. And we should replace Keane and Beckham with them too. And I'd be happy. So I've just thought, actually, though, you know, we're talking about Beckham making it in despite pretty much none of his good, well, yeah. a, a smaller portion of his good work being in the Premier League than any of the others. I've just thought, on the manager front, you'd have to have Bobby Robson in. And Bobby Robson obviously didn't do a lot in the Premier League, but it's Bobby Robson. I'm not yeah. saying I'd Brian Clough and Don Revy or whatever, but... My only problem with this Hall of Fame is that if there's going to be eight inductees per year, I don't know how many it's going to be per year. They're going to dry out of players yeah. very, yeah, very quickly. quickly yeah. Like, hmm. we shouldn't be inducting this many people in the inaugural year. Uh-huh. Well, four go into the NFL Hall of Fame. I think three go into the NBA Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't know about should... the NHL. It'll, be, it'll, it'll slow down. I think it's just so, so they have that momentum there. Yeah, It should have been four players this year and maybe two managers. Or maybe just one manager and Ferguson. Or just Cause Veng- Ferguson. Because Wenger will go in. Final thing to mention from England, the Championship playoffs happened early on in the week. Bournemouth won, Brentford nil, Barnsley nil, Swansea won. I, the Barnsley-Swansea game was, was not good for the most part. Andre Ayew gave me only goal of the game. The Bournemouth-Brentford game was acceptable for the most part. And Brian and Bremo missing the easiest chance I think anyone's oh. missed this year. Bar Lewandowski, we'll, we'll get onto that, trust me. But... Yeah, do we see either results being overturned in the second leg? Yes, I, f- I feel like there's m- so much more to play for in that second leg, and I feel oh, like both, absolutely. 
all four they were they were nervous they all look nervous yeah but you, you know when you hope something happens and then the exact opposite happens of what you want it to happen because i don't want bournemouth to go up because as we've discussed many times <laughs> means championships just shouldn't have bothered this just, year what's the point and I don't want um, Swansea to go up because they've played in the Premier League before. Like, let someone else have a turn, right? Stop it. Leave, leave them alone. And also, it's Barnsley. Who? Why? You should have just given them a bye anyway. It's Barnsley. And the, the dream final is is Brentford Barnsley. Yeah. A long not for, way. Not for Will Harris, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but to be fair, if Bournemouth did come back up, I wouldn't be upset just because I. I do rate the cherries. Just I, I, I they're don't going want, down well immediately. Yeah, I don't want Jonathan Woodgate to be vindicated. Oh no, I like him. He's a nice guy. Like him, nice guy. Leeds legend for you, Alex. I mean, he's know. not a Leeds legend. He, he played for the. He played well, for the. Then again, he was at the Legends event. He was at the Legends go. event last November. He, it was it was quite funny because it was on a Thursday night. It was and him and Lee Boyer were at a table together. And both had matches on the Saturday. But they'd gone, I'm, I'm going to go to this event at Leeds. I, I, I still struggle to call him a Leeds legend, though. He was okay, and he got significantly better during his time at Leeds, but he, he, he's not He's not a legend. A, a Leeds player associated with the good times. So, so what are your predictions, then, for the second legs? I don't want to make a prediction. Because I, don't. I don't. I'm too scared. I don't I'll be honest, think... I've, I've got an Excel spreadsheet of my predictions for all the playoff matches, and it, it's not been great so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Brentford-Bournemouth first. Brentford at home, you'd hope that they they have a, ch- a good chance. You'd you'd hope they have a good chance because it's only a one goal lead. The, please correct me if I'm wrong. There's no such thing as away goals. No, there? brilliant. No away so, goals. So, um, I've got I, I fancy Barnsley to at least score mm. against Swansea, and I fancy Brentford to at least score against Bournemouth. Yes, yeah, I'd agree. It's kind that. of it's kind I, d- of I don't want to make any other step predictions. It's I'm kind scared. of why I, I, I can see both games going into extra time. Mm. I'll, remember, I'll be honest when I started making my championship predictions on, on a beautiful game I saw you lot looking at me I was like I don't want to say anything now <laughs> I've pointed out I've not done my predictions and now I'm too scared to make them oh do, by the do, way you know what's annoyed me this week go on so um, there, was a, there was a post on the championship subreddit about oh. predictions of Xavier and their ever and the championship subreddit had an error of 118, so that's like how many places you have off. If you said second, they finished first, that's an error of one. And third score was 116, and uh, 538s was 126, and 442s was 124. And I was sat there, I counted mine up, and mine was 104. So I was so much better than everyone else. I was like, yes, I truly am the master of championship predicting. Not the top 20s, it was 102. Maybe they should hire you. Yeah, I'm clearly, I'm just clearly of their standards. There we go. There we go. No, they're 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 fantastic though. But yeah, too scared to make predictions. I think we should just end on our our nervousness. Okay, let's go into the European fixtures then, and let's start with League Un. Obviously, the League Un title race relegation battle all still going on, and we'll start with Lille nil, Saint-Étienne nil. We knew they could at least give up two points um, over the last two games and retain the lead of the league, but they've given that up immediately, and it was a really nervy game from Lille. Oh, yeah. Um, it was bound to come, right? And I've just I've always got this feeling as though 
PSG are like Thanos, and you, you know you look forward to next next week. Well, actually, the weekend's games. Uh, Lille are away at Angers, and PSG are away at Brest. And I think the only thing that's going in Lille's favour is the fact that Brest don't want to be in that relegation playoff. Yeah, and probably the fact that nobody wants PSG to win the league. I hope. Yeah. Or they should all I be mean, really rooting for Lille, except for Lons, obviously, who don't like Lille anyway. Yeah. I mean, but, Lille just need to match or better PSG's results. So, mm. please, please, please do so. Our fingers are crossed for you, Lille. They're what, they did wake up towards the end of the game. From the 80th minute on, they were phenomenal. And there was that free kick. I can't remember who took it. It might have been Yilmaz. But was saved by Green in the goals. I think he's called... Is he called Etienne Green? Yeah. Etienne for Etienne. It's fantastic. And, he, and his last name is Green, and they play in Green. Yeah, and they play in Green. He was born to play for Saint-Etienne. Clearly. <laughs> but, yeah, he wonderful save to flick it onto the, um, onto the post. But apart from that, yeah, apart from that 10 minutes, they, they just looked really nervous. And they know now they have to go to Angers next week to get a, a win. PSG did not struggle as much against Rhymes. Um, 4-0 they won. First of them goals came through a penalty. Yunus Abdelhamid getting sent off for a handball in the box. Was it a hand, Was it a red card and why not? It was not a red card. It was not a red and card. It was a penalty, I will concede. It was a penalty, but he mm. didn't mean to handball it. His arm's in a natural position, I think. Yeah. It's at, it's at, at most a yellow. He's falling. And, you know, like sliding, and he's, he's put his arm back to stabilise himself. And and the thing is, as well, is that it wasn't going to go in regardless. I don't think that was going in, which mm. I think was the case the commentators were making, saying if it's going in, then, it, then it's a red card. But I don't think it was anyway. Yeah. It, it just doesn't make sense for it to be a red card. Mm. Neymar converted that penalty. They found it easy after that. Mbappe, Marquinhos and, and Moise Keane scoring afterwards. So PSG staying the title race. Only one point behind um, Lille now. Not one point behind Saint-Etienne. That'd be interesting. One point behind Lille now. So Reims still in the relegation battle themselves. We'll get on to that later on because, oh my God, is, rel- is the relegation battle in Ligue 1 interesting or what? It's absolutely phenomenal. And there is another game that was technically in the title race and still is. Monaco 2, then 1. Monaco only three points behind Lille, but they need like a six-goal swing on the last day. Then again, we know all about six-goal swings, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about it. Well, we do talk about it because it's objectively hilarious. But Van Yedder and Golovin again the goals for Monaco. Diassi putting in his own net for Van to make it a 2-1. But, yeah, Monaco played really well. Credit to Niko Kovac because they have had a good year. And to be in the title race entering the last game of the season, I don't think anyone would have said that at the start of the season. So, it's a fair play to him. He's, he's really got this young Monaco side going. I, I waxed lyrical about them last week. Mm. And I, I will, I'll happily wax lyrical about them again to get this this team, which is actually really, on paper, a very, very young side. Uh, not full of massive stars as well. To get them into third in the league is still amazing. And if you mm. said to any Monaco fan, oh, you're going to finish ahead of Lyon and Marseille, they're, going, they're there thinking, oh, we're going to finish second. And it's only by pure miracle of Lyon that 
they're not going to do that, probably. Yeah. Mm. Unless PSG lose on the final day, please, Monaco. Yeah, that, you'd love to see it. You'd love you to would. see it, yeah. But there has been a wonderful relegation battle going on in, in Liga, and we'll quickly go through all of them games. Bordeaux 3-Lons, nil. Lons currently in the driving spot for that Europa Conference League place, but it is going to be incredibly difficult because they're playing Monaco on the last day of the season. They are currently sixth, but they're only a point clear of of Ren. And Even they're playing so, Monaco on the last day of the season. Yeah, I mean it's been it's a wonderful been a fun... season anyway. Yeah, I, yeah. I only I only fear for Lons because Loic Bade has been their standout and breakthrough star this season. Yeah, doesn't seem to be set to staying. This is this is what happens when you're overperforming and you just know you can't hold on to these players. I'll be honest, there was about a two-month window. In fact, no, a two-week window. Probably a two-day window between me going, wow, this is really good and wow, this is not going to be with us very long, is he? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, Bordeaux, three lawns, nil. That's big in the relegation race, as are these results. And he's nil, Strasbourg, two. Montpellier, nil, Brest, nil. Lorient 2, Mets 1, and Dijon 0, Nantes 4. Nimes lost 5-2 at home to Lyon, it means Nimes are relegated. But in the relegation playoff picture, Nantes currently occupy that spot, 18th on 40 points. They've won their last four, and they're still going into the last day in the relegation playoff place. Um, Lorient, 17th, 41 points. Brest, 16th, 41 points. Strasbourg, 15th, 41 points. Bordeaux, 14th, 42 points, and Reims, 13th, 42 points. So any of them can still get relegated going into the last day, of the, or, or going to the relegation playoff going into the last day of the season. So that's going to be really interesting to watch. All league and matches on Sunday at 8 o'clock. Really recommend watching it, because it's going to be really good. Yeah. Um, my only problem is that um, my, my favourite team from Ligue 2 won't have the chance to go oh, is it Paris FC? Yeah, unfortunately they uh, so we're recording this on the Wednesday, mm. they lost 2-0 to Grenoble Foot um, yesterday night and that means it's probably going to be Toulouse that are fighting for that uh, relegation promotion space as they play Grenoble on Friday the 21st you got to love Toulouse. They wear purple. I mean, they also employed Yaya Sanogo, and any team that does that doesn't deserve to win trophies. <laughs> I'm sorry, Fair. it's just true. Fair. And also, I would have loved to have seen a, Par- a Parisian derby in the yeah. in the top league. We need them and Red Star promoted. But, yeah. The, the signs are there for Paris FC, by the way. And if you haven't watched them, seriously go watch them, because they're like the Monaco of League 2. They've got a really young, exciting team. I'll stop waxing lyrical about them after you. <laughs> no, feel free, feel free. <laughs> if there's anything we love on this podcast, about... it's second tier French football. It's it's niche football. It's That's niche what you love football. to see. We love niche football. Okay, and let's go into the Bundesliga then, and let's start off with that that game. Let's start off with that game. Schalke four, Eintracht Frankfurt three. What? <sighs> What? I'm, I'm so confused. I don't understand. I do understand how that penalty was given for Schalke to open for scoring. Really stupid foul from Tuta um, to give it away. Um, Hunter scoring 
not from the penalty, but from the rebound. Originally saved by the keeper. Andre Silva scored the equaliser. Real massive mistake by Ralph Farman, though. If you see, he comes out far too early for, for a cross and, and just misses the ball entirely. I don't know. I don't really know what he was doing or attempting to do. It just didn't work. And then Matthew Hopper came on for the second half. And you knew fireworks were going to start when Matthew Hopper came on for the second half. He didn't help immediately. Evan and Dicker made it 2-1 for Frankfurt. But then Idrizi scored his first goal for Schalke in the Bundesliga in his second game to make it 2 all. Then Florian Flick, who's nicknamed Hansi. <laughs> of course he is. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. Great manager, great player, it turns out as well. But yeah, Hansi Flick, technically, <laughs> scored to make it 3-2. And then Matthew Hopper... Made it 4-2. Andre Silva made it 4-3 and that was his 27th goal, which means he's now scored more goals in a single season for Frankfurt than any other player has. So, he they interviewed him after the game to get him to talk about it and he just seemed so thrilled. He was over the moon. He was like, yeah, yeah. happy I got the, the record, having just lost 4-3 to Schalke. <laughs> but, I've got to say... Over the last few weeks, um, Schalke have been putting in a lot of their youngsters who have been coming through their academy, and it's been working. They've looked optimistic, they've looked hungry, they've looked determined, they've looked, unlike anything we've seen from Schalke this year, competent. Don't don't hug me, I'm scared. Schalke are doing things. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's weird that it's taken this long to cotton on to the fact that oh, you know what, maybe we should give the youngsters a chance. Yeah. Because as soon as you were looking at staring down the barrel of, what was it, two points from something like, something ridiculous, from like 10 games or something, at that point, you're sinking, and you're sinking quite far. Put mm. on the kids, and you've got nothing to lose. Because it was very, very evident early on that they were going down, because they yeah. just weren't good enough. Do you know, I remember I wrote an article this week about when German football came back and I remember previewing Dortmund Schalke that week back in May 2020 and Schalke was sixth in the league but had lost, had not won in their previous seven. I was like, well I mean they're obviously not going through a great run of form at the moment but you feel like they're going to turn it around. No. That was, by the way, on their run to 30 games without without a win. It started midway through last season, obviously. But, yeah, they'll turn it around. I mean, not today. They're playing Dortmund. Dortmund can win the title still. No. No. Just very, it was a very disappointing episode, especially because the first goal of the day in the Bundesliga was scored literally five seconds after we went off the air. So, I, I've done my conclusion. Shame we didn't have any goals today, but hopefully we'll have some next week. Until then, I'll read us in. And then, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, Harlan scored for Dortmund. Thanks. Thanks, Bundesliga. Really helped us sell German football. <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, they've, they've looked really good. They've looked energetic. It gives you some more hope for this fighter Bundesliga campaign that's to come. Though... Maybe the exploits of an, of another side um, in the Svita Bundesliga would 
dampen any spirit, so we'll go on to that later. For Adi Hutter and Frankfurt, he, after the game he was going, well, you know, um, European football of any kind is still a success for Frankfurt. I mean, it, it's clear now, that it's been clear for a while, that his announcement that he was leaving to go to Borussia Mönchengladbach has killed that side off. Yeah. It, mm. They've just changed so much, and it's really, really weird. And it seems to be a constant theme with uh, managerial changes in the Bundesliga this season. That as soon as it's announced, you go on a bad run of form, and then maybe you'll pick up once you kind of get over it. Mm. And Frankfurt haven't got over it yet, the fact that they're losing Addy. Yeah. There's only one, actually, that, that sort of bucks that trend. That's Erdin Terzic. Because Dortmund got significantly better after Rosa was announced. So, mm. yeah. Maybe they want to impress the new boss. I think they just want to do it for Erdin Terzic, personally. As, as mentioned. Hope so. Mm. Hope so. Mines won Dortmund 3 with that result. Dortmund secured Champions League qualification. The day before, Mines had been secured of their status in the Bundesliga. There was a video of them watching the augsburg Werder Bremen game, which we'll get to later. And, you know, when the second goal for Augsburg went in, they were very happy and they were celebrating. And clearly they celebrated all through the night and clearly the celebrations were still affecting them because uh, they came out and they looked... Very sluggish. And I don't think that's a coincidence, I'll be honest. Sorry if you're a Mines player, but... Listening to this, for some reason. But... They they didn't look great. In that in that first half. Susie Dent's word of the day, for, for a couple of days ago, was Thunderplump. Which is a 19th century word. That would work as the title of this podcast. Thunderplump. 19th century word. That means a heavy, thundery shower that seems to come from nowhere and soaks you in seconds. And this is what happened at half-time, because the, the game was delayed for several minutes because of a thunderstorm in the area. And, and it was, it was proper chucking it down in mines. It was proper thunderplump weather. It was thunderplump. It was a fun, it was thunderplump weather if I've ever seen it. <laughs> but, yeah, so the game was delayed. I don't think that's why Susie Dent made it her word of the day for some reason. Unless she's a massive fan of the Bundesliga. Maybe she's listening. Hi, hi Susie. <laughs> but, yeah, they were much better in the second half. Both Svensson took that half-time break to make changes that really worked for Mines. They were much better in the second half, but it wasn't enough. Dortmund's goals from Guerrero, Royce and Brandt giving Dortmund the win. So that secures Champions League football. And there was a point on this podcast where we said they're, they're dead and buried. They're not... There is absolutely no chance they're going to get Champions League football. So, you know, we've done it again. Um, but they've really deserved it. They've been absolutely phenomenal. We are cursed strikes again. But it's kind of not bad because it's Dortmund. But it's kind of bad because it's Frankfurt at the same time. I mean, at least we do actually like Dortmund. So, so we have that going for us. Jude Bellingham interviewed after the game was asked how he was going to celebrate. Uh, in Germany, you can drink beer from seven, from 16. So he could have a beer if he wanted. That's not the route he took. He said he wanted a Capri Sun. I mean, Capri Suns are criminally underrated and I completely support Jude in everything he does. 
<laughs> just feels weird, though. I, I don't think anyone's ever celebrated with a Capri Sun. Like, you know, oh, I'll tell you what, when you're in York on graduation week, you know, when all the, all the students celebrating, you can't get Capri Sun anywhere because all the students have brought it all so they can have their parties. Doesn't I mean, seem... it does make a great mixer, but I digress. <laughs> There was a great picture on social media, I can't remember who posted it, but they're from, you know, that DFB Pacal celebration where where Voice is, is I'm going to say, doing the dentist chair almost on Jude Bellingham with the, with the beer. But somebody somebody took that but photoshopped in a Capri Sun, <laughs> which definitely goes down as my image of the week. So, we mentioned during the DFB Pacal review that Erdin Tursic has, has really, you know, turned the side around over the last few weeks. He's got them believing in themselves again. He's been he's got them playing good football. He's done he has done a good job for, for Borussia Dortmund since taking over, especially because you remember how just depressing it was under Lucian Father. Just ugh, did not enjoy it. With that in mind, does he get another job? He I know the plan is for him to assist Marco Rosa. Mm. As, as 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 Dortmund manager, but I feel as though now he's had a taste for it. Yeah, he could go somewhere, but also he's a Dortmund fan. Yeah, why would he want to? Why would he want to go anywhere? Because we mentioned before we started recording, there's that photo of him in the stands, having not changed in the past eight years. Yeah, I'll go look that. He was he was in the stands for the 2012 TFP Pokal final. And and that image has gone round on social media again. He's not aged at all. He's had a haircut, and he's bought some clothes. But that's all I can tell that's happened between like them two photos being taken. It does not look like nine years has passed. No, it really doesn't look like he's aged in nine years. And I wish I could have the same. <laughs> I think we all could. I saw. Um, I was watching Southampton Leeds, and I saw Alex McCarthy. Uh, taking a goal kick and he had grey hair I was like no no Alex you don't get to have grey hair because if you have grey hair and I'm going to have grey hair in a few years I don't need that so that, that, that concerned me there yeah. you go that wasn't nice but it, like you said he might have got a taste for it now and it, uh, there are rumours that clubs like Frankfurt could be interested by Leverkusen could be interested Teams in the Premier League might even be interested because obviously he's, he's words in the Premier League before under Slavin Bilic. So, if if I, I, I could see, a ret- I, I, I say a return to England like he's managed mm. there before, but yeah, I could see that being a, a definite option for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I root for the guy. He seems like a really likable person. So whatever he thinks is best for him, I'm fully behind. And to be honest, I could see him becoming the Dortmund manager in a couple of years again. Anyway. I think they might want him to get some yeah. experience somewhere else. They might be really keen for that if somebody comes calling and, he, and they're like, well, it means he gets experience as a manager. And, of course, he would happily... I'm, I'm sure he would happily go back to manage Dortmund again. I, I, mean, I think they'd probably like that. And and here and here we start with managerial buyback clauses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So we'll move on then. Gladbach 1, Stuttgart 2. Marco Rosa's last game in charge of Gladbach at um, Borussia Park. A fantastic volley from Lars Stindl made it 1-0. Endo with an amazing hit to equalise. Then 
Stuttgart with the winner of Sasakleidzic getting a lucky sort of hit on on a on a long shot that deflected it past the keeper. I tell you what, I'm surprised he can score football goals with like his his feet as opposed to his head. Because, you know, when you've got Sasakleidzic up front, just kick it to his head and you Aim win. For the skies and he will score. Yeah. Just kick it anywhere, as long as it's high enough, he'll be able to reach it. I don't like calling people human something, but he is a human bean pole. <laughs> yeah, not inaccurate. Not inaccurate. I think we said it on on the on the show on on free game on Saturday that Sosa has the most assists of any left back in the Bundesliga. I was like, that's not difficult. All, all he's got to do is like float it up into the box and Kleisic is going to get his head to it. The only thing that's he's really phenomenal. surprising about... The only thing that's really surprising about that is the fact it's not Alfonso Davis and Robert Lewandowski. That's No, that's no, because no, it's easier for Sosa to get the ball into the box for Kleisic than it is for yeah, but, Davis to get into the box for Lewandowski. Yeah, good point. It's that whole Bayern team assisting Lewandowski, yeah. whereas it's just Thomas, Sosa to collapse. It, is it actually? It's Thomas Muller assisting Lewandowski. Is is that just from his round doitering? No, no, hasn't he got 18 assists this year? Down on 21. But 39 assists in the last two years is phenomenal. Anyway, we'll talk about what that means for the race for Europe in a bit. But Bayer Leverkusen won, Union Berlin won. Of the Benders Twins, Lars and Sven celebrated their last home game before kickoff. Florian Wirtz got the only goal of the game for Bayer Leverkusen. That's his sixth in the Bundesliga. He's become the youngest player to score six, which apparently is a thing, um, surpassing the record of Jamal Musiala. So. Well done to Florian Wirtz. And Poyan Palo scored against his um, parent club. I don't know if it's, it's a loan with a view to buy, but... The, I believe it is. Yeah, the Bundesliga commentator said what is a, a technically against his parent club, and I was like, what do you mean technically against his parent club? It, it, it is his parent club. There's no technically about it. <laughs> Which, yeah, tad bit confusing, but what that means for the race for Europe, then, obviously, we know that Dortmund and Wolfsburg are in the Champions League. Wolfsburg, by the way, drew two all with Rassenburg Sport Leipzig. Um, Frankfurt have secured their Europa League place, which I'm sure they're simply thrilled about. But um, Bayer Leverkusen sixth on 52 points. Union Berlin seventh on 47. Mönchengladbach eighth on 46. Going into the last day, Union Berlin are in the Europa Conference League spot, but... They take on Leipzig on the last day of the season. Meanwhile, Mönchengladbach travel to Werder Bremen, which means they've got a significantly easier fixture. I hope yeah. that jinxes it, but it won't. Um, but yeah. Fingers crossed for Union Berlin. It would be so nice to see them in Europe. I think we'd all love it. You know what? Right. I've, I've got a feeling as though Milo Rashika will hopefully wake up and and score just one for Verda to keep them up and to stop to just hopefully get Union into some sort of European. See, I'm football. conflicted though because you know Bielefeld. True, and also it would be good to see both Schalke and Verda in the Zweite Bundesliga. Mm. 
Let's go into the relegation battle then and let's start with Arminia Bielefeld 1, Hoffenheim 1. It turns out that Andrej Kramaric guy is good at football. 19th goal of the season in this game, a new club record for him. The, I can't remember who had the record before, but it, I, I said it on pre-game. I'd have to go back and look at my notes and I'll be honest, I don't care enough. <laughs> because it's, it's Hoffenheim, right? But it was bro it, the record was set in their first year in the Bundesliga back in 2008-09, and it's only now been broken by Andrej Kramaric. So well done to him for that. But that free kick from Andreas Vogelsammer was absolutely phenomenal. I think it was about 25 meters out, straight into the top corner. Really good free kick. That gave Armenia Bielefeld a one-all draw, and it means, crucially, they're in the driving seat going into the last day of the season. Bielefeld could have easily won, but great defending from Hoffenheim did stop that. They had a few really good chances to win it, but Hoffenheim got in their way. Then again, Stefan Ortega made the best save of the day against the header from Kramerich. It was absolutely fantastic. He shouldn't have got to it at all, because at first he's going in the wrong direction, but he manages to get his arm out to tip it away. It was really good. And it means that Bielefeld are in that driving seat. And that's also because of Augsburg 2, Werder Bremen 0. The game didn't get off to the best start. Uh, Ruben Vargas sent off for deliberately kicking Gebru Selassie. It was, it was beyond stupid. Why? 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 He just, he feels, it, it, the, the challenge at first is bad, but understandable. But then he just kicks him. Just kicks him in the chin. And and then he had the audacity to be surprised. Anyway, I'm still annoyed about that, I'll be honest. But, in the spirit of competition, Werder Bremen decided to go down to 10 themselves. So, that's great. Christian Gross getting sent off for a second yellow card. Again, it was like, it was a bad challenge. It wasn't like Vargas, but it was like a kick. But it, it was just a poorly timed challenge. That's the difference. Vargas's was a deliberate attempt just to kick a player, whereas this was a poorly timed challenge. It was absolutely correct. It was a second yellow card quite easily. And then Rani Kadira, on his last home game for Augsburg, scored his first goal for over two years. From a corner, Bremen cannot cope with corners. Every time there's a corner against Werder Bremen, you go, oh, good God. Oh no. Oh, this is gonna go bad. And and it went bad again. I I don't get I don't get how they cannot defend corners. I don't get I don't get how no one in the Bundesliga can defend corners, supposedly or, or in German football, because I watch a lot of St. Pauli and they can't defend corners. So what is it with corners? Bristol City, who tells all supports can't defend corners, Leeds can't defend corners. Every team I watch is plagued by not being able to defend corners. Is it me? It's you. It's you. Mm. There were two penalty calls for Augsburg after that. First one was not given because of simulation. Um, Victor got a yellow card. Absolutely the correct decision. He dived in the penalty box. But then another penalty call came from Augsburg. And it was absolutely the correct decision to give that penalty. Uh, the ref correct both times. Augsburg scored from the spot. Who took it? Caligiuri. From the spot. Made it 2-0. And that means Augsburg are safe for another season in the Bundesliga. And, and they deserved it. They they weren't that much better than, than the score would probably give off. But they were the better side. And Verda just made some stupid decisions at times. There was only really that one shot from Leandro Bissancourt. That 
you know, could have gone in. Apart from that, they really weren't threatening. And it means that Augsburg is safe. It also means that Florian Koifal has been sacked. Going into the last game of the season, do you, do you think do you think it's a good decision to sack a manager going into the last day of the year or season? It, I should it's say of, it's one of those where we're talking about Verda making stupid decisions on the pitch, and they've got to make a stupid decision off the pitch. Because if he takes you into the relegation playoff, then okay, fine, you can deal with that. It's two games mm. against what is supposedly a lesser side. Yeah. Or he keeps you up and then you sack him because he's not been good enough for the season. To do this, it screams of something's gone on, right? Mm. And they've sacked him as a result of it. Yeah. But it, even so, it just in destabilises the entire team, surely. Yeah. I said on our chat that it's either one game too early or five games too late. And, and it really felt like that. I, I don't get it. I don't get why it's now. Though, they have made a good decision in who to replace him with. They've hired Thomas Schaff to be the new manager. And, and he is a legend at Werder Bremen. He's dedicated his, his entire life to the club. Made around 250 appearances of him as a player. Played in the youth team. Played in the second team. Played over two, around 250 games for them as a player. Then had a 14-year stint as their manager. At one point, he was the longest-serving manager in the Bundesliga. So, he knows Werder Bremen. He absolutely does know Werder Bremen, and he knows how to you know, cope with managing Werder Bremen. So, one game left, definitely. Maybe three games left this season to save them, to keep them in the Bundesliga. I mean, they've got the players to do it, so... They absolutely yeah, have like, a chance, and of course, they, oh, sorry, they know how to how to play in the playoff because they beat Heidenheim last year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a sensible decision to replace Koifert with Schaff, mm. and as you said about it either being five games too late or one game too early. If anyone can do it, Schaff can do it. Yeah, I mean, I still. I'm I'm still iffy on the on the decision to sack him, but at least the replacement is reasonable. If they'd gone and hired Dave Hockaday, then that would have made it. And if any team in the relegation it. playoff can do it, can. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Final game to mention then: Hertha Berlin nil, Kiln nil. Yeah, there are all my notes on the game. Hertha Berlin are safe for another year. Yay! Happy. Happy times. The only really interesting thing that came from this game is that Paul Dardai afterwards was on German TV being interviewed and he had a massive cigar, you know, to celebrate. It was absolutely... It, it was... It, it's kind of like, I don't know if you've seen the video of Guardiola celebrating with a cigar this week, but it was it was pretty much like that. What it means for the relegation picture in the Bundesliga is that Armenia Bielefeld are... 15th, 32 points, one point ahead of Werder Bremen in the relegation playoff place. 16th, 31 points, and FC Köln, one point behind them, 17th on 30 points. So it really is all to play for in the relegation um, picture. Armenia Bielefeld travel to Stuttgart, Werder Bremen host Borussia Mönchengladbach, and FC Köln host Schalke. Well, it should be an easy game, but... Considering that Schalke have just beaten Eintracht Frankfurt 4-3, maybe not. Who knows anymore? Football is always predictable. Final game to mention then from the Bundesliga. Freiburg 2, Bayern Munich 2. 
Lewandowski has scored his 40th goal of the season, matching the record by Gerd Muller. He scored it from the penalty spot, 40 goals in 28 games. He's not human. He's not. Just, just give him the, just give him the award anyway. He's done it in less games than Gerd, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think Gerd Muller used all 34 games. Lewandowski's done it in 28. <laughs> it was really nice. I know. I know we're not the biggest fans of Bayern because obviously they just win all the time. But it was so nice. They planned a guard of honour for him on the bus without him knowing. And so he scored the penalty and suddenly all the team and uh, all the coaches lined up at the side of the pitch to give him a guard of honour. And you could see just how, like, he was really happy about it, really surprised. It was a really nice thing to do as well. And he had the um, really lovely Gerd Forever t-shirt with its stylized look like it said 40 as well. Which was real. It was a really nice um, gesture from Lewandowski. So well done to him. He deserves a lot of praise, and and the whole team deserves a lot of praise because he he was talking after the game and he was saying, well, obviously, you know, I couldn't have done this without my teammates, and you know, it's my record as much as it is theirs, and you know, it's really really nice way to look at it. He he doesn't seem like one of them players, despite all the success he's had, despite all the success he's brought to Bayern Munich. And to Borussia Dortmund back back in the day, he doesn't seem like a guy who's you know full of himself. So, I I like humble. that. Yeah, humble, humble despite all that success as well, which is something people can genuinely struggle with. You know, after this podcast took off and had all the many viewers it does, you know, I became so full of it. I don't... <laughs> He's awful. Please stop me working with him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll tell you what. When I won York Sports Writer of the Year. He didn't talk to us for weeks. I, I was going to put, you know, when you were right, when you put that up in the chat, I was going to put who's going to win the Alex Woodward Sports Match of the Year award. <laughs> so, really good day for Lewandowski until that that miss. Thing is, it wasn't just that miss. It was also the miss that preceded it that was yeah, saved, and fair. then his and then the miss. Which was horrendous. I don't think I, I've ever seen him miss a chance like that. That was the, that was the easiest... That might be, if you looked at all of his chances to score this year, that might be the easiest. And he missed. He's just... You know what? He's so humble. He's proved that he's human. Yeah. You'd love to see it, Robert. <laughs> you love to well see done. it. It turns out he's actually human. He's from this planet. We didn't even know. Yeah, um, Alexander Nubal started in goals as well. What do you think about the speculation that's linked him to Lille and Monaco? Interesting and misguided. Interesting mm. because Nubal is a good young goalkeeper and I can see him taking over the reins from Manuel Neuer on both the German national team setup yeah. and on in Bayern. And again, that's why I think it's misguided because surely Bayern, if they've got any sense will keep Nubal because Neuer can't go on forever. Oh, I think it's alone. It's, it's alone, isn't oh, it? Oh, in that case, I can I can understand that because I think Neuer's only got more, really one more season in him. Yeah, he's been on the decline for a good few years now. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's a loan deal where they're looking at because, you know, I would probably argue with the big clubs in Europe. Oh, apparently Union Berlin could be trying to get him. Please, no, buy him, sell him, buy him, sell him. No, that'd be a loan. 
Apparently, though, um, it might be coming from Nouvelle because he said, if you're not going to play me, then please send me out on loan so I can be ready for when you do want to play me. I which love seems that responsible. From yeah. I love that from players. Yeah, and also, like like I was going to say, of all the top clubs in Europe, I would say Bayern are the, are the best man. And it feels like they wouldn't sell him just out of nowhere, having not played him. It feels like they'd, they'd know what they've got. Um, they'd know it'd be better to loan him, especially with how yeah. old Neuer is. So, yeah, it almost certainly is going to be a loan. Really good equaliser, by the way, from Freiburg, from um, Christian Gunter, who I believe has been called up to the German national squad since... Robert Lewandowski, he faces Augsburg next week. Can he get his 41st or will Reese Oxford stop him? As, as much as I'd love to see Reese Oxford doing well, who can stop Robert Lewandowski? That's a really good point. Robert Lewandowski can't stop Robert Lewandowski. <laughs> Actually, judging on that miss, he can. Yeah, he can, but I don't think he'll want to. Yeah, that's a good point. Or maybe, maybe he just wants to respect... Gerd Muller so much that he doesn't want to break the record by too much. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely fair. Gotta, he still wants to break it. You've, you've still, you've still got to love his humbleness in not wanting to break the record by a mile. Getting mm. injured like he did, you know. Yeah, oh, that, we, that love, we stab Robert. Tim Fall Hat time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly going into the Spider Bundesliga. Um, Nuremberg won, Bochum won. Bochum had the chance to get promoted, and they would have done if they'd won, but just. I I don't know how to put it. It wasn't like a nervous performance. It wasn't it didn't feel like the nerves were getting to them. It just wasn't good enough. They were just bad. So Nuremberg obviously looking forward to next year. I think they've got Dieter Hecking in the background now uh, at Nuremberg. Um they've been given a year to implement their plan. They've not had any pressure on them this year to bring results, so that should hopefully work out for them. It would be nice to see them back in the Bundesliga one day because they are the Bundesliga-sized club. But for Bochum, we'll go on to what it means for the promotion picture later, but they should have done so much better. As should have Holstein Kiel. They lost 3-2 away to Karlsruhe. Kiel did take the lead in the first half and then, you know, have that lead into half-time and then it all went wrong. The defending for the first goal, which was scored by Batmaz, was very bad. Very bad. Philip Hoffman, Hoffman scored twice for Karlsruhe after that. No, not the Atta. Um And then Kiel did get one back. Um, Beeler threw the penalty spot. And then they thought they'd got the equaliser in the 93rd minute. But a very marginal offside call. VAR corrected it correctly and reverted the call. 3-2 is how it ended. Kiel again just weren't good enough they had that really strong first half you thought here we go Bundesliga time for Holstein Kiel who have never been in the Bundesliga before but then it all fell apart in the second half they did not have an answer for Karlsruhe and they didn't deserve to win Firth did paid a born to Firth 4 Stefan Bumgart in charge of his last game um, at home for paid obviously leaving this summer to go to Köln in the well, we don't know yet, do we? Um, Harald Nielsen, great volley that made it one all for Firth. Go and have a look at that if you can. After um, Jekyll um, scored an own goal to put Paderborn in the lead. Um, Hogota made it 2-1 to Firth. Um, Furevik equalised to make it 2 all with Enzoguin. And Abiyama scoring in the second half for Firth made it 4-2. They deserved victory and they're now so much closer 
to Bochum and Kiel. As it stands in the race for promotion to the Bundesliga, Bochum lead on 64 points. Kiel are second on 62, Firth third on 61. The first two automatically go up to the Bundesliga. Third place have to play in the promotion-relegation playoff. Do want to mention as well, whilst we're talking about this, Osnabrück 3, Hamburger 2. <laughs> By the way, the new manager who's taken over at Hamburg, Horst Hubesch, was sitting on a bar stool. Like, he bought his own bar stool and was sitting on it. Like, it's like the opposite of Bielsa on, like, the water cooler or on, on the bucket. He he was sat on a bar stool instead for some reason. Don't know what, what that was about. But the defending from Hamburg throughout the entire game was abysmal. Absolutely abysmal. And then compounded that third goal scored by Mark Hader in the 84th minute. Just being the best example of that. Hamburg have one win in their last seven games. And it means that they will be back in the Svitter Bundesliga next year. They needed a win for any chance of, of remaining in the promotion race. They didn't get it. They're going to be back in the Svitter. And I think it shows just how difficult it is. For the big clubs to get out of that league, it really is difficult. Yeah, it doesn't bode well for Schalke next mm. season. And that's that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, you know, they must be looking at how Hamburg are doing and going, "Oh God!" That, oh, that they must be doesn't look hitting great. the panic button. Mm. But then again, they've got Hansi Flick, so you know what's there to worry about. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's all fine. We've got Hansi Flick, we've got Matthew Hopper. It's it's all it's all good. It's all good. Um, in the relegation battle, Braunschweig won, Würzburg kickers two. Obviously, Würzburg already down, but it means that Braunschweig have now really struggled to stay up. Sandhausen two, Jan Regensburg nil. What it means for the bottom of the Zweiter Bundesliga. Eintracht Braunschweig 17th on 31 points, Osnabrück 18th on 33 points, having won their last two games, Sandhausen 15th, 34 points, Jan Regensburg 14th, 35 points, having lost their last three. So Braunschweig need a win, otherwise they are definitely automatically down. Other results can mean they're down anyway. Osnabrück currently in the relegation playoff place with Sandhausen and Jan Regensburg safe. Okay, let's move on then, let's talk about La Liga. Let's start with the um, team in second place, actually. Let's start with the Madrid Whites, who beat Athletic Club 1-0. Nacho gave the only goal of the game. Immediately, the game was superseded by the news that Zidane might be leaving at the end of the year. Um, do you believe these rumours? I, I, I can see why those rumours are coming, but I, I, don't, I don't see him leaving, weirdly enough. I know there seems to be a sort of desire for him to go but if he gets them second after being well, apparently, relatively apparently it's Zidane who wants to leave not Real Madrid wanting him to go but where does Zidane go if he does leave I, I don't know I I don't know well we probably don't have there are also reports of a fire sale in the summer yeah hmm I Maybe want, he I goes want... to Leipzig now. Nah, they've already hired someone. Maybe he goes to Frankfurt. I'm hoping that he stays so that Arsenal can sign Erdegaard. But mm. if he goes, we're going to end up signing Danny Ceballos. Especially because there's been, there, you know, if there is a fire sale, then they've got to hold on to Erdegaard, surely. Surely. Mm. But it's almost, you know, bear with me here. With this report of a fire sale, it's almost like they have no money. 
it's almost like you shouldn't just pay a lot of money to people whose superstardom is waning. It's almost like they're, they're, they realise they've got no money after giving 400 grand a week to David Alaba. That's a stupid move as that well. That's the dumbest move. It shows just how dumb Florentino... Like, like, obviously, if you want to prove that Florentino Perez is an idiot, you just use the Super League and how he sort of talks about it. Because he, he did that... He proved that enough. But if you want any more evidence besides the Super League, just show the Alaba contract because it's so stupid. That's why Bayern are a wild run club and Madrid, whites, aren't. But moving on to my game of the week. Atletico Madrid 2, Osasuna 1. I need to lie down after that game. That was absolutely insane. That was really, really tense for quite a lot of it. It felt like Al Pupas had struck again. They played so well. They were getting shot after shot off. It felt like surely they had to get something. But, you know, I think they had 16 shots by the end of the first half. And they kept that, you know, pace coming in the second. And you just thought at one point... But if they don't get something off here, you know, Osasuna will score and suddenly it will all go wrong. And they did. Anti Budimir scoring with Osasuna's first shot on target. You just thought, oh my god, this is absolutely typical. They had a water break shortly after the goal went in. And Simeone said to his team, strong heads, it will come. Get the equaliser and I guarantee the second will come. And they played really well after that second goal went in. They actually, they were, they were calm, collected, focused, and that's exactly what they needed to be at that point. And after that, you could you could see how well they were playing. And suddenly, Renan Lodi scored in the eighty-second minute to make it one all. Wonderful um, through ball, chipped through ball from Joe Felix, really good pass. And then eighty-eighth minute, Luis Suarez scored the winner to make it two-one. And of course, it had to be Luis Suarez. Before the match, Simeone said, "We're entering the Suarez zone, the, the sort of part of the season where you need clutch performances. You need a player who's been here before. You need a sort of guy like Luis Suarez, who's experienced, can carry you over the line." And he, of course, absolutely did that by scoring the winner. And yeah, phenomenal play after that goal went in by Atletico. I thought they were just going to fall apart. I thought they were going to crumble at that point. But they did really well. They kept calm. They kept collected. And it's exactly what they needed. Luis Suarez, after the... He, he had had a bad game, actually, before that. He'd missed, like, really five good chances before. And you just thought it wasn't going to be his day. But he, he got it together. He, he symbolised the turnaround more than any other player did. And... Especially for the second goal, the, the build-up was really calm and collected. After the game, Luis Suarez was speaking, and and he said, I know Atletico is all about suffering, but I didn't realise it was about this much suffering. <laughs> <laughs> Which is absolutely phenomenal. <laughs> and it's so true as well. Like, it does feel like Atletico Madrid have to suffer and do it the hard way every single time. If you remember last time they won the league, they had to win it away at Barcelona on the last day. So they just they, they love to make it difficult. They do like to suffer for their art. It's not fun to win that. easy. Why would he do that? Boring. Yeah, simple. Simple as. Franchise Club Barcelona 1 out of Ego 2. 
it was really the Santimina show. He had a wonderful performance. Uh, scored both of their goals, one easier than the other. Nice finish for the first, though. Araujo missed a really easy header partway through. You'll never guess who scored the only goal of the game for Barca. You'll just never guess. Did his name begin with an animal that is the king of the jungle? <laughs> it was... Martin Vrathwet knows Lionel Messi. <laughs> Shock. Shock horror, right? Um, long lay game sent off as well in the second half for a second bookable offence, which was the correct call. There are rumours that Koeman will be leaving at the end of the year. Do you do you buy them rumours? Yes and no. There seems to be a willingness from uh, franchise club Blaugrana. Not, Bog- not Blaugrana. Oh, they're the same. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to annoy them both. They're the same club because they're both financially inept. Um, <laughs> yeah, there seems to be a, a a desire from franchise club to get rid of uh, Kuman for some reason. I can't understand because he's going to be a steady hand for them. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. This season hasn't been great, but who do you get in to rework this franchise side? You know because. Guardiola's not going to come back. He's just done a fantastic season no. in Manchester City. Javi's not going to want to come because, let's be honest, Javi will only want to win things. And... Well, apparently, apparently that's who the main target is. And apparently they've... It depends who you ask because everyone has a different answer, but Javi's already started talking to Barcelona about it. If you if you believe them reports, other reports say Laporta isn't interested in Xavi at all. So who knows at this point? But the weird thing was for me, the, the dumbest part was Laporta and Kuman had a really public lunch, right? They went to a, 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 a cafe or restaurant in the middle of Barcelona, out in the open for anyone, especially journalists, to see. And afterwards, Laporta was talking about it and went, well, we didn't talk about the future. Hang on, right, let me get this right. So you had a very public lunch with your manager. I... After the season was finished, technically, because this was after Barca were all all but done in the title race, and you expect us to believe that at no point during this lunch did the future come up. No, Porter is a is a master of spin. He's the Peter Mandelson yeah. of the Basque. Oh yeah, he's well, he's a politician, isn't he? Yeah, he's the he's the Peter Mandelson of the Catalonia. <laughs> That's a great way to put him. There you go. I'm sure. I'm sure he'd love the reference as well, wouldn't he? But yeah, he would. It is worth pointing out that obviously they in the past sacked Setien and Valverde before Kuman came in, and both of them have comfortably better records than Kuman did. And I know this is like a year of transition, but I'll be honest: any squad that has Leo Messi, that has Leo Messi in, and has all the talented players Barca has. I, I don't think it's fair to say that, you know, this squad is any particularly any different. The only the only difference is that they sold this Yorga Grind lad. Can't remember what he's called. I think it was something like Suivez. Um they sold him to, to Atletico. And apparently he's quite good. He scored as many goals Suarez this year as Dembele, Brathway and Griezmann combined. Well done. Effective management. Geniuses. 
I mean, just... Uh, Nothing at that club is good. I used no. to like them. I used to like Barcelona, Franchise Club Barcelona. <sighs> Some days. Anyway, right. I'm going to need to brace myself for this. Valencia 4, Avar 1. Avar are relegated. They can't better Alche's record. I'm like, I'll be honest, I was so confused. I was like, no, they can stay up, but they can't better Alche's record on a head-to-head. So they are back in the Segunda after seven seasons um, of top-flight football. Don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. Oh, yeah. Fantastic for Elche to to stay up. They're not, as long up. As they're they not safe. They can't. No, Abar. Abar. Fantastic for Abar to stay up for as long as they did. They are the Wickham of La Liga. and I would actually we... argue they're more than the Wickham of La Liga. Oh, because... if I, I'm, I'm giving a comparable analysis for, for mm. those who are not privy to Abar. Although, if you're listening to it this would, podcast, it would actually, you should be privy to Abar. Yeah, it, it would actually be more like Wickham in the Premier League. It would be like Wickham in the Premier League. Yeah. And you know what? They've, they've done absolutely fantastic to even be in the league and get the yeah. results that they've got and to stay in as long as they have. Mm. And you know what? I don't I don't see them as being one of these teams that will never come back up. I think yeah, absolutely. they've actually got the infrastructure to be there, yeah. to come back up. And that's the thing, right? They've spent that time in, in La Liga working on the infrastructure, improving their finances. They've had really good facilities built because of that funding that they've got. And the I can't remember the guy's name, but the sporting director who's leaving after 14 years um, said, if I have five euros, I only spend four. To sort of say, like, when, you know, transfer money comes in, I don't spend all of it on players. And they've never done that. They've now had this mad pursuit of trying to stay in La Liga. They've always spent within their means, lived within their means, improved the club around the team as well. And and it means that, you know, they go back into the Segunda with a real good chance of coming up again. They are a really good model of management. And if you were to ask me who are the best fan clubs in the world, Eibar would most certainly be up on, on that list. Yeah. Definitely better got, than bloody Madrid Whites. They've got no stars as well, which is really yeah. important because no one's going to be wanting to go, oh, I'm too big for A-bar now that they're in the Skunder. Mm. Well, I mean, they're, they're good... losing Brian Hill, which is very disappointing. True, but what do you, Hill I... is replaceable. Mm. I know that sounds awful, but he is. Well, I mean, he's on loan, so it's, it's not like they have a choice either. But yeah. what what do you think happens to Mendilibar? Because Mendilibar has done a wonderful job there as manager over the last few seasons, and there have been ch- times in the past where he's had the chance to leave, and hasn't. He surely gets a legal job if he does wants he, one. I was going to say, does he want it? Because I've got a feeling he'd stay to try and bring them back up, because that would be his almost a cr- another crowning glory in his already perfect A bar crown. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And they sort of, you know, you, you look at how the season went and it, it felt, felt like for a long time they knew they were consigned to this. And when, when they were promoted to the league, they knew one day it was going to end in, in relegation again. But, yeah, it feels like the, the club is, is in a really good place. And by the way, if you haven't watched it, and I know I said it a million times, watch Six Dreams. In the first season, it follows the A-bar president, and she's wonderful, and Mandilibar's wonderful, and they're such a likeable club. And we will root for them in the Segunda, because, of course, we will. They're fantastic and perfect. 
I think you and McTeer as well did a really good thread on Twitter. Um, you and McTeer, the guy who wrote A Bar the Brave. Uh, so go and read that and read the book. And just read about Abar, they're, they're perfect, I love them. And the other games in the relegation battle, Real Sociedad 4 by the lead 1. <sighs> Jesus Christ. I mean, looking at Vida lead, oh my god, were they re- They were abysmal against Sociedad. Bar that one goal, like in the 84th minute, but honestly, it was just a joke. And um, Cadiz 1, out J3, they give themselves a, a better chance of surviving. They were level on points of Abar. Going into the penultimate day. They are the only side in that relegation picture who goes into that race with some momentum. And Betis won Huesca nil. I mean, it always felt like Huesca were going to lose this. But, you know, they gave a reasonable showing. The only goal came through a Borja Iglesias penalty. And by the way, when he scored, uh, Borja Iglesias also won six streams. But when he scored, he got he got this panda head and, and put it on. It was so funny. I loved that. But yeah, uh, it, it never felt like Huesca were really going to trouble Betis, in in my opinion. Hetafe 2, Levante 1. Hetafe have survived. In, in La Liga, after what has been a, a tough season, also a tough season for Takefusa Kubo, who was allowed a chance to come on, uh, scored a wonderful goal, and he, he loved it. You could see how much it meant to him. And Carlos Alenia scoring the only other goal of the game for Hatafe uh, as well. Really good. Bordelas called it his biggest achievement during his time at Hatafe. Do, do, do you think that's a bit strong, considering that he had that Europa League running there? Yeah. Uh... If, if, if you've already done something better, yeah. you shouldn't be there going, oh, this is great. Do you think he's trying to like just make the team feel better about it? Yeah, I reckon there's a bit, bit in that. You know, to get them all believing again and being happy. So what it means for the relegation picture in La Liga... Avar are down, obviously, 30 points. Um, by the lead, 19th, 31 points. They've lost three in a row. Alche, 18th, 33 points. Huesca, 17th, 33 points. And what it means is all them three teams fighting for them to, uh, fighting to avoid them two relegation spots. The weird thing is, and we'll talk about this before we move on to anything else... Abar were playing Barcelona at the weekend, and originally La Liga have scheduled all the games so that only the games that have meaning are being played on the Saturday and the other games are being played around that. But La Liga had originally scheduled Abar Barcelona to take place on, I believe, Friday because it's a game that didn't matter, right? Abar already relegated, Barca already out the title race. Here's the thing as a radio producer pointed out, it actually isn't that simple because if Avar go on to 33 points with a win against Barca, then they join potentially a three-team um, sorting system. If you don't know how La Liga sort teams on level points, it's not through goal difference, but if it's two teams, it's sorted through goal difference in their games alone against each other. And if it's three teams, it's sorted on how they've all done against each other, almost like it's a mini-league. And so if Abar finished on 33 points, that means a different outcome than otherwise. So Abar can't stay up, but Abar can affect whether Alche and Huesca stay up because of how La Liga sort points out. And it took a radio producer telling La Liga this for him to go, oh yeah, that game does matter. 
So this system is so convoluted, even the Liga don't know how to sort it out. And suddenly they move the game over to some, to Saturday, 15 minutes after this radio producer had mentioned it. Well done. Well done on well having done, a system Dad. so simple that you need a radio producer to point out that you're wrong. Just use goal difference. I mean, I, I get it. It, it. As a system, from a purely theoretical standpoint, it's better. But it's so convoluted that it, it, it. I spent so long yesterday trying to figure out the permutations for for this upcoming article on my website. I it it's just so difficult. Yeah, I don't enjoy it. I don't enjoy trying to figure it out. Anyway, Villarreal force of Ian nil. Some games in Spain were allowed fans back due to declining COVID rates. One of them were Villarreal and Valencia had, had fans in as well, but Villarreal did and oh. It was so nice to see that many fans in the stadium generating that noise. It, it was it was really nice. It was absolutely phenomenal. And obviously Valencia had, had fans in as well. Uh, because they're both in the same um, area of Spain. Same region. And yeah, it was it was really nice. You love to see it. That's the only reason I've really brought this up. There is still a, um, a European battle in the league. Real Sociedad 5th, 59 points. Real Betis 6th, 58 points. Villarreal 7th, 58 points. So any of them can get into um, the Emory League. Sorry, I mean the Europa League. <laughs> and obviously the loser gets the Europa. I sense you're not happy about that. <laughs> the fury boiling up inside me. <laughs> If he, if he wins it with Villarreal against Man United, it means he'll only have not won it with one team. <laughs> I almost I almost made it's your so podcast close. explicit there. Yeah. So close. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was just really nice to see to see fans again. I've got to credit as well the the commentators on La Liga TV, uh, I can't remember their names. Graham Hunter and Simon Hanley, is it? Who were doing the simulcast on, on the League of TV where they went to all the matches and they commentated on every single match at once. That is top work, that. It was phenomenal. And yeah, credit to the League of TV as well because it was a really good broadcast and, and, you know, the two commentators managed to keep up with all the games at the same time. It was really good. Final thing to mention from Spain, Mallorca have been promoted back to La Liga the first time of asking. Um, the weird thing is, right, is that they've they played the second half of the or like what the final ten games, whatever, of the of last season in La Liga in front of no fans. They get relegated to the Segunda, and this this is the same for Espanyol. Both get relegated to the Segunda and then both come back up, having not played a single game in front of fans. If if there is a relegation and no one is there to see it, and then you get promoted again, did the relegation even happen? Because fans, you know, had their last game in La Liga, and then they're going to go back to watching them also in La Liga. Did the relegation even happen? That's some um, good philosophy right there. For me, it's it's Schrodinger's Mallorca. Schrodinger's Mallorca and Schrodinger's Espanyol. They, they they both did and didn't get relegated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. So there we go. Yeah, congratulations to Mallorca. They're joining Espanyol back in La Liga, and obviously the playoff race still going on to, to find out who the third team is. It could be Leganes, and therefore 
the entire La Liga DOS season or Segunda Division season, whatever you want to call it, just wouldn't have mattered. Great. I love it when seasons don't matter. It's Yay. wonderful. Happy times. Final thing to mention, then. Serie A. couple of games to go into. We'll start with relegation battle. Spezia 4, Torino 1. Torino lost 7-0 to AC Milan in midweek. They then lost 4-1 to Spezia. But Benevento drew with Crotone out of the weekend. And then Torino, who had a game in hand, drew 0-0 with Lazio. And it means that Benevento are relegated back to Serie B after one year in Serie A. We're going to miss them. They've played interesting football, exciting football at times. Despite being an underdog, they've had some good games. But it all comes to an end anyway. Um, at the hands of Torino. So we now know who's going down. Benevento, Cotone and Parma. All relegated to Serie B. The race for Europe's still on. Zebra won 3-2 against Inter Milan. Not, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that. I am more okay with Atalanta beating Genoa 4-3. That was quite the game. <laughs> and then also have to mention Roma 2, Lazio 0 winning the big derby in front of, you know, no one. To be honest, that's one game which I probably wouldn't miss, fans, because the Roma Lazio derby genuinely terrifies me. Yeah, it's terrifying. It's not. It doesn't look like a fun thing to go to. I, I, I wouldn't go to it. I could, I would go to other derbies, you know, of teams I don't support because it'd be interesting. But, but not Roma Lazio. Wish. Yeah, it's a death wish. death wish. It absolutely is a death wish. But anyway. On that, on that warning, that is actually, we'll quickly talk about the European picture. Milan third, 76 points. Napoli fourth, 76 points. Um, Zebra fifth, 75 points. And um, Roma seventh, 61 points. Sassuolo eighth, 59 points. So it means that Sassuolo could still make Europe. Please. And Atalanta are confirmed in the Champions League again. You love to see it. You love to see it. You absolutely love to see it. And Zebra might not be. They need to be either Napoli or Milan's result of the weekend to get back into your into to the Champions League. You know that that competition they simply love. Though then again, actually, as well as you know, actually qualifying, they need to then leave the Super League because obviously if they don't, UEFA will go. Ah, we're going to kick you out. Yeah. Yeah. And on that wonderful thought, that is all the time we have. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. And we'll be back with an extended run of stuff on, on URI this weekend. We're starting with a beautiful pre-game, kicking off Saturday 2 through 3. Then we've got um, a beautiful game mostly focusing on England between 3 and 5 on Saturday. And then after that on Sunday between 4 and 6... We're going to be looking at the last day of the Premier League. And I will be definitely not in any way forcing in Spider Bundesliga stuff. <laughs> okay, I may be forcing in Spider Bundesliga stuff. <laughs> you will be. Especially if Kiel get promoted. Because I'll be honest, I, I would love it. I would absolutely love it. Best of luck to your country at Eurovision this weekend. And we will um speak to you during the weekend. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>